when that, uh, that last chord was played and that silence was just starting to float across the church, I didn't want to say anything. You know, you just sense that there's a, a presence of God. And I think the wonderful thing is, is that the Lord loves being with his family and we're his kids. And uh, he looks out at you. It's like you can take your seats. Um, you know, you can, he can look out and see your smiling faces. And it, it gives him such happiness to know that you love him. And this is what the relationship is about. And uh, we've, got, we've, we've got an international uh, congregation this morning. We've got Jeffrey's parents in from Hong Kong. So give them, yeah. Yeah. And we've got my friend in from New York, Paxton Ballard, who's come along. So... <laughs> That will embarrass him, but there again, he's used to it. Um, okay. Uh, this morning's message is called The Journey of Obedience. The Journey of Obedience. And uh, over the years that I've been involved with uh, Israel... Uh, I've come across some uh, comments from people. They say, well, uh, the Old Testament is no longer relevant to us in this time that we're living in, you know, 2022. It's full of, you know, great stories, you know, Noah and the flood and, you know, so many different, different ones. And it, uh, how can it relate to our life today, is there anything in it that um, can show us how to live? It's almost like, see, with God's Word, there's no sell-by date. No sell-by date. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to look at an Old Testament example of this journey of obedience. Because, you see, this, this title, Journey of Obedience, relates to every single Christian from the moment they ask Jesus into their life to the moment their last breath leaves their body. Every Christian on planet Earth at this very moment is on this journey of obedience. But it's not always the case that people want to be obedient because, you see, God in his goodness, he gives us free will. Some are more rebellious than others. Uh, some are more uh, loving towards others. Some are reluctant to step out and commune with other people because we're all so different. But to give a... Um, we're going to be looking at... Um, a section of the life of Moses. Moses. You're thinking, well, you know, it's a nice story. You know, Red Sea, that kind of thing. Wilderness for 40 years. How does that relate to us in August the 28th, 2022? Well, I'm going to show you 
how it does. Because what you will find, you will then realize that you were walking on the same journey as Moses. Old Testament, New Testament. When we used to do the New Life class, the first thing we did, we said, right, pick your Bible up and go to the last page of Malachi and the first one in Matthew. And there's usually, there's usually um, a blank page. And we tell them, tear it out. Tear the plain page out of your Bible. So symbolically, what we are doing is recognizing this is one. This is one. Now, percentage-wise, the Old Testament takes up 63%. The New Testament takes 30, sorry, 65%, and the New Testament, 35%. So there's double the inspired Word of God in the Old Testament as there is in the New. So I want to devour that. I want to eat as much of it as I possibly can. So what we're going to do to lay the foundation for uh, what we're talking about this morning, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel because of the journey that God was going to send him on down into Egypt. Now, this is before Jacob goes into Egypt with his family, and this is what God said to him prior to him going. He said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again. So even before Israel had set foot in Egypt, God was promising that he'd be with him, He'd guide him, and he would bring him out before he even got across the border of Egypt. Moving on, 400 years, in Exodus 1, verse 7, it says, But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. So what was happening? God was fulfilling this promise. Verse 9b, this is wonderful. This is what the Egyptians are saying about Israel. Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. God told him that he'd raise up a nation. And in verse 12, he said, But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. See, the blessings and promises of God were being fulfilled. They were being fulfilled. But what we're going to do now, I wanted to give you that as a background to, to Moses. Because unless you get it in context, it just means very little. So, Amram was the father of Moses. And Moses' mother was called Jochebed. And they had a child. And you know the story that they were worried about the, the, the Hebrews taking over. That Pharaoh gave the instruction to kill the, the, the boy child. And she put him in a basket. We know the story. And then it goes on and it says, this is in Exodus 2, 8, 10. And the child grew and she, Jochebed, that's his mum. You imagine doing this. 
you're taking your baby and giving it away. You're giving it away. She brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses. Now, uh, her name was Betiah, which means daughter of God. So a pagan Pharaoh has a daughter who is the daughter of God. Sometimes I wonder how amazing God is, uh, how, he, how he manipulates situations. Now, she, uh, Betiah, was inadvertently responsible for the redemption of Israel. What a thought. For the redemption of Israel, an Egyptian woman. So, this is the background. So, Moses now, we know that he spoke Egyptian. He understood the culture. He understood the Pharaoh gods and the Pharaoh deity. You can see how God is bringing people into a position where he wants to use them for a specific task. So what you can say, you can say, oh, what an interesting story. That's really interesting. But how does that relate to us today on this Sunday? So as believers, what are we called to do? So I would, I, I mean, I just jotted down a few notes and it said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And this is the final one. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. That's what we're called to do. So that is our calling. Now, our, our journey from this kingdom, planet Earth, to the kingdom of God, it, we, we, go, we go through journeys of life. Sometimes there's people that we meet. Uh, they have an impact on us. Uh, situations that we found ourselves in. Things that went on in life have actually formed us to be who we are, you know. As, as a, an ordinary human being, my background, my upbringing, my interests have made this man what you see now. If every one of you stood up here, we would all be different. But we're all on the same journey. So, what I wanted to try and do is explain or give you an, an illustration of learning to hear the Holy Spirit's voice learning to hear the Holy Spirit's voice. Because without him, I'm going to walk out this door, get in my car, and go home. Because it is pointless, absolutely pointless, me being here. In fact, it's pointless for any of us of being here unless we recognize that God has given us a helper to teach us all things and to help us on this journey of obedience. Because, you know, sometimes our humanity can kick in and say, well, I don't really want to do this. I really can't be bothered. But 
So what I want to do is that during my um, musical training in the, uh, the Royal Artillery Band, I had to uh, become familiar with commands so that what they would do, that they would become second nature to me. So that when I heard it, I didn't have to think, ah, I wonder what that meant. I wonder if it means I've got to do this or do that. The moment I hear it, I want to act to it. And this is what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. When we hear his voice, he has our attention. So what, when I was in the army, all right, now remember what I'm trying to illustrate now. The last time I did this was over 50 years ago. So bear with me. If there were any regimental sergeant majors here, you know, give me a break. I haven't done this for a long time. Um, so what there are, there are commands, signs, and signals. Okay, can we get that photograph up? Oh, there we go. That's the band. Buckingham Palace. Uh, it's, it's quite stirring to do this kind of thing. Now, this is just one band. There are four bands. We are two in London, one in uh, Germany, and one in Wales. But when we were all together, there was probably 150 to 200 musicians playing, okay? So what would happen is that we would all be stood there. Now, I'm, I'm usually in the middle somewhere, because right, I was a percussionist. So I was somewhere in the middle. So what would happen? I would wait, or we would wait, for this instruction. Band. One word. Have our attention, all right? Shoulders back, chest out. All right. All right. And then I would wait for the next one. It says, attention. Right, so I now know from that one command, there is something else that is going to happen. I know it's going to happen. I'm going to stand over here because um, I'm going to do a bit of marching. <laughs> so what happens? The drum major, he then gives a command. Now with this command, it sets the speed that we march and the tempo of the music. So what we get, all right, so here, here we go. I'm, I'm stood up, I'm at attention, and this guy says, by the center, quick, march. All right, that's enough. Don't get too excited. So we're on our way. Now, when you're marching up Birdcage Walk, when you get to the end, there's a left-hand turn which takes you onto Horse Guards Parade. Now, you've got 200 men giving it what for, and it's loud. It is very noisy. You can't hear a thing, so there's no point anybody giving a command because you can't hear it. So what you get, you're given a sign. Now, we're all marching along, and this guy here, when we get to the end, we know that there's a left-hand left turn, all right, to get us down on there. So what, what, well, I'll go over here. What he does, he does this. To get us around the corner. 200 men 
are following this sign. A sign given with authority has the power to redirect hundreds of people's lives. And that's an example of how the Holy Spirit works. Can you see how 200 men react to this? We do it naturally. We don't think, I wonder whether we got to carry on because we follow the guy that is in front. If he walks down the wrong street in somebody's back garden, we all follow. <laughs> and I, we, we had a parade in Cardiff once and that actually happened. We went, went down the wrong road so you get 200 guys trying to, trying to squeeze in this little alleyway. <laughs> so what we have here is, and the last one, is a signal. So we've got a command, sign, and signal. Now, how do you get 200 men to stop at the same time in the same place with a signal? And what happens on the first and the third beat of the bar, the bass drummer gives two double beats. And this is what happens. So off we go. Here we go again. So we know that those two double beats bring us to a halt. This is how our relationship with the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's not a commander-in-chief, but is just getting used to hearing his voice. Now, let's move on then to the story of Moses. Moses was caught killing an Egyptian taskmaster, and he fled Egypt to the land of Midian, which is now Saudi Arabia. And he met a woman there called Zipporah, and they got married, and they had two children, Gershon and Eleazar. So Moses was an ordinary family guy living in the back of beyond. His father-in-law, Jethro, he had two children, and he had the most menial job you could think of. He shepherded sheep, the lowest of the low. He was 80, so I suppose he was thinking, perhaps I'm coming into land as far as my age goes. He's out in the middle of nowhere, Mount Horeb, and it's called the Mountain of God. Now, he wasn't expecting to have a deep, meaningful conversation with anybody because he was with a load of sheep. So he didn't know that what was going to happen was going to be life-changing. So then we start looking at the scripture. So Moses was in the desert with his sheep, and he sees a burning bush, something you wouldn't usually see in the desert. So what, did the, what do the scriptures say about this situation? Exodus 3, verse 2. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see the great sight. See the great sight. 
why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Then he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Something was happening with this encounter that Moses had with this burning bush and a voice. Now, Moses started off well. He looked. He looked. Then he turned around to see this great thing. He was drawn. Moses was drawn by a sign. And he acknowledged that God was speaking to him. Now, I mean, I suppose the question must come down. Are there things in our lives that we're drawn to? Uh, you know, it might be the homeless. It might be a group of special needs children. It might be a, a single parent do you, having, you know, trouble with young children. It may be kind, all kinds of things that can sometimes, they play on our heart. They get our attention. We get a heartbeat. We're thinking, oh, that's tough. I really feel for that person or that family or that, oh, oh. They look, they look, and then it goes on to the next stage. So what did Moses then do? He had to listen, and this is what he said. So he listened to these words. Take off your sandals, you are now on holy ground. Not just the ordinary desert, special. God introduced himself as God of his fathers, Moses now realized something was going on. So what we have, we have look, we have listen. But now, with all of these kind of things, like in our own lives, we can hear stuff, we can see stuff, but often we're reluctant to take the action. Reluctant to take the action. So it goes on to the next verse, and it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sorrows, so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. So what God was saying that I recognize the suffering. I've heard their cries. I want to do something about it. And then this all sounds like God is going to do it all. God is going to do all of this. But he, God repeats himself just to make sure that Moses knows what he's talking about. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and also I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Now, on my notes here, I've got Paul's. Not two of me, but Paul's. Um, because this next one verse is the essence of uh, what I'm talking about. 
because you see, Moses has stood there. He's the, oh, this is great. I've heard, I've seen this, I've heard it. But then, wait for this. <laughs> wait for this. Because this relates to every one of us on the 28th of August, 2022. And this is what it says. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. The mission is given. God is saying, I'm not doing it. I will help you to do it. And this is where, ooh, I don't know about this. I don't really know. Are you saying to me, I've got to go and tell my, uh, my neighbor that is always throwing stones at my window that Jesus loves him? Yeah. So there are things now where we are stepping out of our humanity of, oh, I don't know what I can do that. I don't know if I've got the confidence. I don't understand the word enough. I don't know what to say. What if, they, what if I offer to pray for somebody and they're not healed? Oh, I can't do that. Oh, no, no, I, I, sh I shan't bother. I'm happy to listen. I'm happy to see, but I'm no way am I going to take any action. No way. So the mission was given. Now, what happens, what's Moses' response to this? This is wonderful. This is just wonderful because this is us today. It really is. Hillary, could you do me a favor? Could you get me a bottle of water? I'm drying. Excuse me, everyone. Too much talking and marching. Okay, so we've got the background to it now. Exodus 3, 7 to 10. Have we got that one, Joe? Moses' first excuse. <laughs> this is where the rubber hits the road. <laughs> but Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Oh, yeah. Questioning God. All right. God's first reply. So he said, I will certainly be with you. Now remember, God's told Jacob, I would be with you before you even go into Egypt. So God is confirming this to Moses. Moses steps up to the microphone again. He wants another word with God. Moses' second excuse. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? And what? shall I say to them? Now, remember, the only terms that they had of God was, was uh, um, Elohim. Elo because the name of God had not been delivered to planet Earth at that stage. And this is what God's reply was. And God said to Moses, I am who I am, Yahweh. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you, 
Whoever, moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. Now, all Moses had to do was tell what God had already told him. Moses didn't have to make anything up, have his own ideas. God was saying to him, just do what I tell you. Just do what I tell you. Don't pontificate. Don't try and exaggerate it. Do what I tell you to do. But does Moses listen to this? No. Oh, God, don't... Isn't Moses like us today? Just like us. So Moses has the mic again and comes up with third excuse. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Excuses, excuses. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. He reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. God gave him a sign, a signal to the people that he could use. You, you, see, I would have thought, if I were talking to God, I wouldn't have the, to be, confront him again. So Moses then comes up a fourth time. Now, do you, do you, oh, is God patient with us? He is so patient. I mean, if I were God, I wouldn't put up with me. You know, and, but God continually tried to help Moses move along on this journey of obedience, just like it is with us. Right, Moses' fourth excuse. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I suppose many of us can identify with that. I don't know how to talk to people about these things. I don't really know the right scripture to use to emphasize this so the best thing I can do is to zip it and do nothing and then God says this is God's fourth reply fourth reply so the Lord said to him who has made man's mouth good question or who makes the mute the deaf the seeing or the blind have not I the Lord now therefore go and I will be your mouth. Wow. God, the creator of the world, will be our mouth. And we worry about going into situations, we need a slap. You know, because that's what he said to Moses. He knew Moses didn't want to do this. Moses wriggled and squirmed from doing what God had called him to do. Now, here we go. Oh, Moses, you are, you're on your own. Moses, fifth excuse. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whoever else you may send. God said, right, enough's enough. I've had enough of this, Moses. 
you know, he's, he's, he's becoming a real pain in the neck. So, this is God's fifth reply. Oh, the patience of God is just incredible, just incredible. So, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and look, he is also coming out to meet you. Now, where had Aaron been all these years? Aaron was back in Egypt, and then suddenly, 40 years later, boom, who appears over the hill? Aaron. And he looked, he also saw, uh, right. Now, this is what God is saying to Moses again, and he's saying it to us, all right? He's speaking, he's speaking to you, he's speaking to me. Now, you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. God was speaking through Moses. He was the, the, the conduit in which he would speak into Aaron. So really, Moses has just got to be this mouthpiece. You know, he, God, isn't, God isn't asking Moses, now look, Moses, you've got to spend the next three months dreaming up a most wonderful sermon that you can deliver to, to Pharaoh. You know, because he's going to be sitting down on his throne and he's going to be enthralled by the words that you've put into this sermon. It's going to be fantastic. And he's going to say, this is wonderful. Take your people and go. But this isn't what was, what, was, what was happening. Verse 16. So he shall be your spokesman to the people. And he himself shall be as a mouth for you. And you shall be to him as God. This is, this is for us. So if I'm saying to you in these situations. And you shall be to him as God. That should fill us all with confidence to be able to march about, you know, left wheel, right wheel, attention, all the rest of it. We want to do it. There's, there's no doubt in us. We're on the right path. Now I hear a command and I'm just going to do it. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do signs. So we have commands, we have signs, so, we've got to look now. Was, um, Moses was full of doubt. Now, how many of us in our walk or our journey of obedience have doubted? You know, is, is this really God? Or is this me with my rather wild imagination thinking it must be God because it feels like God? But... You know, so really what has happened is that what the Holy Spirit is trying to do is to get rid of this spirit of doubt, all right? Spirit of doubt. Can I do it? The answer is yes. But this was Moses' humanity speaking now, a bit like us. He said, who am I? Who are you? I can't talk. Find someone else. Anyone else but me. Now, if the kingdom of God is full of people like that, God's got a really difficult job to do. But the kingdom of God isn't like that because that was man's idea 
because he was judging himself by his own humanness. He was saying, I can't speak. Well, so what? It's not you speaking. It's God speaking through you. But I can't read. It doesn't matter about you. The Holy Spirit will do that. He will impart the words that you say. So what was God's other response from Moses' negativity? I will be with you, which he'd already taught Israel, didn't he? I will be with you. Excuse me. I am who I am, and I will allow you to reveal my true name. What a job. What a, a calling. I have the responsibility to reveal the name of Yahweh and his son, Jesus. That is some command. That is some command. How am I going to do that? It's impossible. It's got to be the work of the Holy Spirit. No other way. It's an impossible task. So it was only, it was only through then that God got angry. When he said to Moses, look, I've shown you all this. I've told you what I would do. I will be with you. Now enough is enough, Paul. Stop this arguing. Stop this thinking about what you can do because you can't do anything. You can't do anything, Paul. You know, you might have had experiences of life. You might be able to march around Horse Guards Parade, but that's not going to save anybody. So what God is saying, look, Paul, get out of the way. Stop listening to yourself. Stop listening and listen to me and I will give you the instructions. So, is it, is it really any different to today? Not really, is it? You know, Moses is much the same. Sometimes we say, I'm inadequate. I can't do it. You're right, we can't. It's only through the help and direction of the Holy Spirit that we can do the purpose that we are called to do. Moving on a bit, because this is so reassuring for us. Because, you know, you, you hear this kind of thing and you're thinking, God, I'm pretty useless. Well, yeah, without him we are. But I, isn't it, you know, there, there is such a freedom in acknowledging that we can't, but he can, so I think I'll let him. In, Moses had learned to recognize commands, signs, and signals. This was what God was teaching him to do. Commands, signs, and signals. Just like us. We need to learn commands, signs, and signals. We've got to. No, we don't. We haven't got to. The Holy Spirit will lead us. If you look in Exodus 40, 33. Three. Exodus 33, 11. Got that one? All right. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Isn't that wonderful? After all of that, the anger of God, you know, Moses had learned how to develop this relationship with God to such a degree 
lived it. They were friends. They were friends. All the animosity, all the, all the, all the arguing, all, the, all that kind of stuff had just melted away. And I think that is just lovely how Moses had been transformed into the person that God wanted him to be. And then in Exodus 40, verse 35, then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. The cloud was the signal. God gave a signal. The cloud raised above the tabernacle. They saw and they acted. No command. No command, no sign, just a signal. The cloud moved and they knew. They knew what to do because they had been doing that. They'd been putting the tabernacle up and they'd been taking it down. Some days it might last for a month, some for six. But the point was that they were waiting for the signal to move. This is all the, all the scripture things that I felt I wanted to let you have. Um, but if you look at the amount of preparation, the assurance and encouragement God gives to the calling that we have, there shouldn't be a doubt, but there is. He's called us to do specific things. You know, this, this man here that you see before you, I'm six foot one, all right? I'm 75 and I'm white. I'm an Anglo-Saxon, all right? I'm Bristolian, as you well know. I am a hand of God. Now, I, this isn't Paul. I am a hand of God. Now, this isn't ego, me saying, oh, well, no, but I, I have learnt, and this is what, I have learnt to listen to the Holy Spirit. I know how he communicates with me. I have lots of visions. Uh, he's a very creative God, and he shows me pictures and illustrations that I know that I can interpret that he is saying. Now, for you, you might hear a few chords of a piece of music. Your heart breaks, you cry, and something happens to you. And, and you know the Holy Spirit is getting you to a place where you can listen to him. Right? For some of you, you might pick up a book and there's some poetry. And you'll read it and you think, oh, this just, this just fills me. And the Holy Spirit says, that's what I want you to get in your heart. He will use whatever he needs, commands, signs, and signals, whatever he is going to use. He will use and our, our responsibility is becoming aware. So I want to finish with um, an example of this. I was, uh, I was in Tesco about, excuse me again, I don't like drinking out of bottles on the stage. It always looks so uncouth. 
why can't we have nice glasses back? <laughs> but there you go. Signs of the times. <laughs> Moses would have been very glad of a bottle, wouldn't he, instead of carrying that sheepskin full of water around wherever he went. <clears throat> I was in Tesco about three months ago in the fruit and veg aisle. I was just wandering around, and this young man came up to me and stopped me. Never, never seen the guy before. And you see, he stood in front of me, and he said, Jesus loves you, and he wants to give you a new life. This was in Tesco, right? And, I mean, to me, that was music to my ear, but I could have been a, an atheist and punched him one. But see, the guy saw a sign, me. I was the sign that this man saw walking towards him, and God was saying, speak to that man. Now, this is the amazing thing, is that this young man, he was at Trinity Theological College, which is just up the road from where we live. And the week after, he was going off with a group from the theology college to Israel for the first time. <laughs> now, what is the chance of that? Okay, so I'm talking. I say, oh, you're off to Israel, are you? <laughs> well, now you see what God was saying, Paul, I've given you a signal. I know what my calling is. When he says there's a signal, don't think about it, Paul. Deliver. And I was able to deliver. And I said, I said, this is wonderful to see you. Do you know the love that God has for the Jewish people? And he said, well, yeah. I said, but what you've got to remember is when you put your feet on holy ground, the Holy Spirit is going to start working through your shoes or your sandals because you will feel the presence of God coming up your feet and boiling your head. <laughs> and I, I was saying, you, you, your life will change. You will, you, will pick up, <clears throat> you will pick up this book, and it will shout at you. It will shout at you. I said, you'll pick up a psalm that says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And you are stood there. You are stood on the exact place where that psalm is mentioned. I said, that's what you will get. And this young man, his eyes were out like on organ stops. It was, and so what I'm saying is, is that how this journey of obedience is for us to take the action. Right. Now, this last bit, I wasn't sure even whether to do. Um, the, only, the reason I'm, I feel I need to is that I am an elder. So, Pastor Dave has given me the authority to speak as I feel the Holy Spirit wants. Now, if I was just one of the... I wouldn't... But you see, what happens is, is that... We can so easily slip into this doubt in ourselves. I really can't do this. 
And in fact, I don't want to do it. Have any of us done this? We, we, we felt in a situation that I don't really want to do this. I would rather not. And we will, we will try to justify uh, why we're saying, oh, no, I can't do this. Rationalization, that's the word. Rationalization. And do you know what the essence of all of that is? When I can only use myself as an example because I don't want to point to anybody. I can only point to me. Is that if I am ever sort of thinking, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I haven't got the understanding, I haven't got the spiritual experience. Do you know what I'm talking about? I am talking through a spirit of self. It's all about what I can't do. It's a sin. It's a sin because I am not trusting him who has all power. So what I have learned is there is a one-line prayer, just one-line prayer that I use very often, and uh, it's so easy, and it says, Lord, relieve me of the bondage of self. Relieve me of the bondage of self. And that is what Moses struggled with. God had to beat that out of him. Or no, that's probably the wrong term, beat it out of him. No, I retract that. God encouraged. He gave Moses all the instructions that he needed to, uh, to do his calling. So I hope this has helped you. Um, it certainly helped me because I've spent some while thinking about Moses. And, you know, I've spent... Time, like the times in Israel and going down into the desert. You know, I've walked where Moses has walked. You know, I've looked at the mountains. I've been at Mount Sinai and, you know, looked. Oh, you, I think, Moses, you're an amazing guy. Thank you so much for giving me an insight into this. And what did that, how did that come about? By the 65% of the Old Testament so that prayer that I said, Lord, relieve me of the bondage of self, that can only be done with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the only way that we can get the power of the Holy Spirit is an act of surrender to the Lord. It's the only way. See, this book here is available to every atheist, agnostic, Satanic worshipper, every person on planet Earth could get one of these. But the difference being is that with the Holy Spirit, this comes alive. So, for those of you that maybe have struggled with this self, and I'm, I'm up here and I struggle, I really do. My pride kicks up. And thinking, oh, Paul, you can do this. Oh, God, help me. I mean, I've got such a wonderful wife that she says, Paul, you're on it again. You know, you're on it. Watch this. So I'm not preaching to you. I'm talking to myself as well. Now, the only way that you can get this power to be relieved 
is to ask Jesus into your life so that he transformed the old self-centered person into a new one. Now, I'm going to say a prayer. Follow it on from this one-liner. Lord, relieve me of the bondage of self so that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties so that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power and thy love. May I do thy will always. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I can't do what I know you've called me to do. I need your help. So I ask you now to come and live in my life. Make me anew. Make me a new creation. I cannot conquer this sin of self myself, but I know that you died on a cross. Your blood was shed to set me free and make me a new person. I humbly offer myself to thee in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, once you've said that prayer, in whatever words you want, something will happen. The Holy Spirit will get his rattle out and thinking, wonderful, wonderful. I have got somebody now that, that, I, can, that I can teach. And um, anyway, thank you, everybody, for, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs>